Yo, what up? It's Force of Phil. I see you. I see you on that ledge. I see you thinking about it. I see you. What do you do? Step back from the ledge, but advise you deserve a second chance. No evidence, no crime, no dead draws if you let yourself connive. To spell away bad feelings, plus one, plus one, that's how you're healing. Take a breath and keep on looting. Look to the sky where your future's looming. Don't peddle secrets in Rafine's Tower. If you lose your weight, you will lose your power. Don't let the maestros tempt you, just tend to your mental. And though the brokers may go for broke, and the river tears keep blowing smoke, and the cabin ready, got your halo ready. I pray you steady your step from the ledge already. I'm praying you step away from the ledger shredder so that I may terminus the shit out your board. Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host Zach Clark, and with me as always, Phil Blackman. Phil, how's it going, man? Bro, it's going great. You ready to you ready to shred some ledges? Yeah, dude. Ledger Shredder uh, is is a card that we're going to be talking about today. We should say that uh, Eternal Dirtles, your only weekly video podcast on YouTube for Legacy. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive, guys. The only weekly we're, one. We're the only weekly one. And I want. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna put this. I'm gonna manifest this out into the into the. You know uh, the actual ether vials here, right off the top of the deck. Uh, it's a two-two now. Right off the top of the deck, I'm going to manifest here that uh, calling Ledger Shredder right before it picked up, before everybody else was like, "Oh wow, this card's actually pretty solid." We got that one, and so I'm hey, going to say that. Hey, more Adrenaline, importantly, more importantly, I got that one. That you got that. One. <laughs> I never I'm get. I never get him right. Phil, you occasionally get him right. I never get him right. Never get him right. I'm just, I'm, I just want to point out that I, I feel as though this should forgive me for my uh, miss on Dreadhorde Arcanist. You know what? Ultimately, you're right about Dreadhorde Arcanist. You were just right in the wrong direction. Yeah, I was so That card is now unplayable. That card's now unplayable. It is unplayable. <laughs> so, turns out. Yeah, it's, so, it's like it doesn't even show up in modern. It doesn't show up in the, in the areas where you can even play it. Yep. I want to, I want to real right. quick, before we really get into Legend Shredder, just show everybody something rad. We got our play mats in. Get those mats. Oh, oh my gosh. Look at that. So sick. Look at so that. Sick. We got our play mats. So you can go to ink.com, inkgaming.com, or whatever. I'll put a link below. I'm sorry. The I links. Didn't have, have all that together. Uh, the link is in the description. It is great. Yeah. The play mats are sweet. Get those play mats. Yeah, man. You got. You need a mat to play on. It might as well be on the Eternal Dirtle one. Yeah. Just don't, you know, don't put it around coffee. It'll stain. It is a it is a it is a it is a beautiful clean play mat. Let's not stain it up. Yeah, I wish you want the, to. Yeah, hey, man, hey, you know you do what you want with your with your play mats. I went for the uh, the classic uh, uh, stitched sides because I think that those are nice and I, they, they keep longer. You know. Uh, Yo, so, I I think yeah. I think for the next one we'll have a, a, a 
We'll design it so there's a corner that has like the coffee ring stain where your cup goes. <laughs> yeah. And just be like, just put it here. It's yeah, got a designated spot. Put the coffee right there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 while I'm at it, you know, you can drink it. You can drink it in your Eternal Girls mug. We're just Dude. we're we're at Spaceballs level merchandising at this point it, for, it, for the podcast. <laughs> it is excellent. I will I, I will say I'm, I'm as you can see I'm crushing a gigantic iced coffee. But if I were crushing hot coffee, it would be in that. Very, very handsome mug. Yeah, we need we need to get tumblers. I think that's the next thing is get get tumblers. Dude, I want I need like a one hundred and twenty eight ounce coffee iced coffee tumbler. Yeah, for, for sure. For the amount that I consume. Um, All right, yeah, so we talk so, about this bird advisor. Yeah, we need to we need to be talking about Ledger Shredder. That's for sure. Uh, let's talk about Ledger Shredder and see what it does real fast. Uh, Ledger Shredder is a one uh, and a blue mana for a one three bird advisor. It's got flying, and it says, whenever a player casts their second spell each turn, Leisure Shredder connives. Super simple. Super simple design there. Super simple. Reminder, connive means that you draw a card, then discard a card, and if it's a non-land card that you discarded, you put a plus one, plus one counter on the creature that connives. So, I remember when we were first talking about the spoilers, we weren't so uh, high on really anything outside of the hearse, and then I was thinking more about Ledger Shredder, and I was like, no, I really like the idea that similar to how you can go uh, Dragon Rage Channel or plus Bauble and get a Surveil Trigger, here you can go Ledger Shredder, Red, Ledger Shredder plus Bauble and get a Kanai Trigger, so now you have a 2-4 that's out of bolt range that just has, has filtered your hand and like you know set up a bunch of different things for graveyard sh- uh, shenanigans and whatnot, and I was like, I feel like this is pretty powerful because it will see itself. And that seems like a play pattern that is already what the top deck wants to be doing. And this can do a whole bunch of other things. And the fact that it doesn't interact, or rather the fact that it does not rely on the graveyard to be powerful, it just relies on you doing the thing that you already want to be doing anyway. And so the longer I thought about it, the more high I was on it. We mentioned that last cast, and it seems as though the rest of the community has also finally gotten to that point where they're, they're recognizing the power level of this Julian Nab tweeted just the other day. I was like, I was like, you know, you know you're on the right path when Julian Nab, uh, you know, Legacy God is on your side. You know, right? So this card right now, it it, it strikes me as on the fringes until we see uh, either a Merktide band or, or or something like that. If they touch Blue Red Delver again, it seems like this card is the it's point. Yeah, it's point. It, it it is on the bench. It is waiting to step onto the court. I think the thing that is interesting about it is the fact that it just doesn't rely on the graveyard. So having a threat that doesn't rely on the graveyard between Merktide and DRC is really powerful. Like that that just ups the yeah. stake, the stock for a threat, at least in the best deck. This can also have a, a homes in a bunch of other things. I was thinking to myself, is there a home? I remember a long time ago, uh, a guy named Doug who I used to play with up in Syracuse. And still goes and plays at events every once in a while. I mean, I haven't seen him since before the pandemic, but I would always see him at the major events on the East Coast or the Northeast, at least. And I remember he uh, played a long time ago a 16 land, no wasteland, arc like Phoenix deck that was just blue red. It wasn't playing any uh, dark rituals or buried alive or anything like that. It was just four Terramander when Terramander first came out, four Delver, four arc light, a bunch of uh, good cantrips. He was playing Charter Course. At- charter course at that point but like help set it up and he went like x2 in i guess it was an SG or something like that it was a major event he did he had a really good result and he was playing 16 lands and he was playing like six basics or something like five islands and a mountain and it was just like super clean exactly what like the deck that just wants to continue churning through its deck wants to be doing and it would just convert convert free flyers and crush people that were trying to play like lightning bolt and it reminded me of going back to potentially doing like a classic blue red Arclight Phoenix deck, you just move away from Murktide region, which may be just meaning you're playing a worse version of Blue Red Delver, but you can move away from Murktide, lean harder on 
just getting a little bit more aggro because now you have a a, a one mana a one mana threat at DRC, a two mana threat at Ledger Shredder. You can spend the rest of your deck churning through your deck, and Ledger Shredder is going to allow you to convert a bunch of your Arc Lights into free essentially Delvers. Yep. Yeah, I I mean my my thing is it's like it's not only good like in in that sort of shell, but like it it's one of those cards that's also an enabler. You know, like I don't think that necessarily like reanimator is going to need this card to like make a thing happen but just like you were saying where like it's taking cards that you don't want in your hand and putting them into the graveyard uh for later use you know a, a reanimator style deck that's maybe more tempo oriented or something uh doesn't exist right now but but we could see we could see a time when those things start to happen and that's only if what they ban grizzlebrand They've got to get rid of Grizzlebrand to make that deck do anything aside from just play Grizzlebrand. Well, I was thinking about what Ledger Shredder could potentially do to open up different very, uh, different varieties of archetypes that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Because one thing that Ledger Shredder does, like as you said, it's an enabler. The thing is, is that it can get very big. Yeah. Because the, the plus one, plus one counters, uh, the thing about this is it's a little under the, it's not obvious, but there isn't a mana gate on the card. So yeah, you need to cast two spells. But the fact that it gets the plus one, plus one counters whenever it connives, and there's no mana gate on that, meaning that it can theoretically happen both on your, every every time on your turn and on your opponent's turn. Because your yeah. opponent casting two spells also will put a plus one, plus one counter on it. In a way that, it, similar to like how Esper Sentinel might um, tax your opponent into not wanting to cast a spell unless they have the additional mana to pay for it. This one, if they are if they are trying to protect a planeswalker or something like that and can't afford to two spell because they don't want you to put a plus one, plus one counter to make your threat bigger, and filter your hand is also a big deal. Your opponent now has to think about like what it would mean if you just tack on additional plus one plus one counters and continue to filter your hand. So far, the, in the time that I've played with Ledger Spreader, I've been very impressed with it. And I feel like we're just sort of scratching the surface so far because it's only been out for so long. But the idea that you could move into something like, you know, uh, a blue-black, maybe splash a color, uh, unearth-style deck because this is a good threat with that. Balefishers is a good threat with that. Uh, enabling the, the graveyard sh- uh, interactions off of the connive. I feel like there's just a lot more going on than meets the eye with this card. And the longer I think about it, the more and more I, I'm interested in trying to play it in a variety of different things, not just, you know, your blue-red aggro decks. I mean, I was thinking Phoenix at first, but I've been thinking about potentially using this as a... I've been wanting a nice, uh, a solid two-drop in Miracles for a while. And I get that this card doesn't strike itself as something that you would play in control. But one thing that's really nice is I'm leaning very hard. I mean, personally, I'm playing a Miracles build that's playing a lot of Mystic Sanctuary. And rather than having to rely on brainstones to like put miracles back, being able to filter them to the graveyard so I can Mystic Sanctuary for additional targets with counterbalance, that's yeah. an interesting space that I want to explore. I don't know if it's gonna, actually going to work, but it's, it's just an idea of how a card like this that uh, it presents itself as a beater, so it's a threat, and also can set up shenanigans beyond just uh, putting reanimator targets in the graveyard or delve uh, fodder into the graveyard. It can also do things like block Delver. Mystic Sanctuary. It can block you know? Delver, Phil. You know, like, over, when it comes in, yeah, in your, like in if, you, deck, you know? if you sequence while they're, while they're, they don't have red mana up against the blue red Delver opponent holding up a bolt, you just go this plus another spell and it's out of bolt range. Like that is really relevant. Like the stats on this being a two four after the first connive and which also means that it's looted for you is really powerful. The other idea that it, because it's a flyer, it's also going to be really good against all like nice flicker wisp. Yeah. I got a two four. Yeah. You know, two it's four, like, two four that becomes a three five, you know, like it just, it gets out of like toughness kill range very fast. Yeah. I think I think something that's kind of crazy about this card is um you you look at like h- how good it is uh in decks that don't need to deal with the graveyard, but it right. also is funding delve. You know, like it, it, let's let's say that they don't get rid of Merktide Regent, 
Um, and and you end up playing this instead of instead of some other card in your Delver deck. It funds Murktide Regent, uh, Gurmag Angler in Death Shadow. It, it's one of those things that like gets better with time as more of one thing comes out. This card stock increases as well. Another aspect of this card that's sort of under the radar, and we're getting closer to it. Between this and Baleful Strix, there are a lot of now playable birds, and I don't know if there if Bird Tribal if there's gonna if there's a payoff. In there somewhere for bird tribal. Sierra the Falconer. Put that up. Put that up, breaking. <laughs> it is something that I'm. I'm like thinking about. I'm, I'm like going back and looking through Scryfall. I'm like, are there any bird payoffs? Because once I have eight birds in my deck, I'm legitimately thinking like, can I pay off this this tribe in a way that I've never considered before? But also, I'm thinking to myself, if I'm playing this bird tribal, is there is there some unplayable bird that is like undercosted? I don't know. Uh, there are so many things about this card that I'm, I'm interested in exploring, but also particularly the flavor text. Have you read the flavor text yet? I will read it right now. See, I have two versions of this card. I have the yep. full art one, but I also yep. make sure that... He's already specced. Sure Zach, Zach is already specced. Yeah, I, yeah. Bought, I bought my set. Zach is specced. So before I go on to that, I think we should call our last our last episode, Convert Your Currency into Currency Converters. Oh yeah, look at all those <laughs> currency converters that Zach specced out. Dude, so let me just say, I, I bought my... Right after we talked about Ledger Shredder last episode, yeah. Or was it last episode? Something like that, where I was like, I think I think this card is a little bit slept on. I'm a little bit higher on it the more I think about it. I bought my set of Ledger Shredders for like, I don't know, four bucks. I got the extended versions yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I got a set for like four bucks. Looking at them right now, already doubled. They're at nine bucks. Yep. It's going up. People are uh, recognizing that this card's this, good. This card says uh, for the t- uh, flavor text, no evidence, no crime. Dude, no evidence, no crime is in the realm mm, of I love this at any cost. Yeah, now, that's, that's right up there with it's uh, really dummy, good. dummy Up, you know? Yeah. So the the, the other, um, I also think that like this card is going, like if you're playing, if you play any kind of uh, legacy deck that could consider Ledger Shredder, I would say pick up your set. It's just good to have in your collection, particularly because uh, I play a lot of Pioneer. Uh, I've also tried this in Explorer uh, in Arena. This card is great there where Phoenix is actually a good deck. Yeah. This is just a house in those style, in those decks. So this is going to see play in the younger formats. It's just like a staple card. So before like, Big events start pulling back up, and people are actually looking to buy into this card steeply to play with it. Highly recommend just getting in before it goes up, and it's like you know a fifteen dollar rare or whatever. Uh, aside from that, what are some other what are some other great uh, things you can do with this card? Like, I, it's obviously going to be a great beater if if it sees play because it's just like getting in that way. I'm, con- I'm convinced that it'll see play. By the way, like yeah, I, I, after pl- after playing it myself, I'm not thinking if it will see play. I'm more curious now. The extent at which it will see play. Yeah, I, I mean, I did, I feel this is a card also that like is a, is another candidate for four ofs because if you don't need it, it, it connives and you can just get rid of it. That's the mark of like a really a really great spec too for for like uh finan- financial things is like when you know you can play four of them in a deck and mm-hmm. playing and playing one means actually that like it's it, it's actually better in multiples, but it's on top of that just amazing. If uh, if you have it in your hand, it's good at like any in any field of the game. So that that to me like is a mark of a really great a really great spec for for a candidate for like what we'll see play and what's actually what's actually good and like you know of course what will go up in value. Not that we're like a fi- magic finance podcast. This is not uh, you know this is not financial advice. So uh, you know a, a penny saved is a penny earned. I think in in this scenario. So if you can get in early, get your ledger shredders before they're like. Seven, eight dollars, you know, like I, I'm thinking to myself that Ledger Shredder is like I don't know if you if you've had an opportunity to cast Ledger Shredder yet, 
But Ledger Shredder is also excellent in multiples on the table. In, in draft. I have, I've cast it in draft on Arena, yeah. So I've, I've played it in Constructed so far, and when you have multiples on the table, like you just start turning through your deck really fast. Yeah. Particularly when you're playing cards that beget other cards, i.e. cantrips of any kind. The, what, I, what actually, what actually becomes like, interesting is, is you get to choose, if you have two Ledger Shredders on the table, you actually get to choose how to stack the connive. So if you're thinking what you want to discard and also thinking what sizes you want each ledger shredder to be, yeah. you can you can choose how to stack your connive triggers so that you draw and see, have the most information for whichever whichever one of them you're looking to grow if you want to discard a land and which one you want to remain the same. In that regard, it's like if you're playing around any type of damage-based removal, if you're looking to like one to go after a planeswalker and one to go after the opponent, how to size them properly. There, there's more game too with managing multiples on the table beyond the fact that like if you don't, have time to deploy a second one, you can just filter it away and turn it into a puzzle puzzle counter. This is good in multiples, not just like having a four of in your deck and that can be dangerous if you don't, if you never want to draw multiples. This is actually something you want to draw multiples of. They can clock very quickly and then once you have multiples on the table and you're churning, you are churning really fast because now you're not going to have any dead cards in your hand. You're going to often get to the point where you're thinking, what resource do I actually need to line up here because I'm giving, I'm going to be giving up things that I want. One of the things that is is really interesting about this is how interesting Knive is. Like, it's sort of a sleeper mechanic because when you read Knive, you're like, yeah, draw and discard a card. And uh, if I don't discard land, plus one, plus one. So that actually seems negative. You're like, eh, you know, like I have to discard a non-land card for this to even have any value. And honestly, what it comes down to is you're going to be hitting your land drops more often. But beyond that, you're turning through your deck. The plus one, plus one part is like, is gravy. Like, you don't need to always make these grow. Like, so I think it, the plus one, plus one is the, the, or getting the counters and, ha and having it uh, occur on both you and your opponent whenever a second spell is cast each turn. Now, just quick caveat. It's when the second spell is cast each turn. So if you were to go... If you were to cast something, then cast Ledger Shredder, and then cast another spell, it will not trigger. That's your third spell. So you have to think, when your second spell each turn matters, you have to think about that with Ledger Shredder in your deck. Now, the other thing to remember, too, is when you're playing online, the triggers will happen for you. It's easy peasy. In paper, you have to be conscious that when your opponent you casts their second yeah. spell, that they get a trigger. Yeah. Because if this, this is a card where paying attention to how many spells your opponents cast for things that aren't Storm is not is not frequent it doesn't happen very often players will miss a lot of triggers like this when they were first adapted to drc right where people yep. didn't remember to always surveil after every single non-creature spell this is the same thing but people will have to get ad adjusted to it but if you start seeing this in paper there's going to be a lot of missed triggers don't don't be one of those people always when you have this in place stay hyper focused on making sure that every time it happens the difference between looting and not looting can be the difference between winning and losing a game right drawing yeah, an additional oh, card yeah, yeah. is insane right exactly well, that, but i think but i think the plus one plus one counter is the reason why this card's actually good like yeah. the filter by the spy like by itself if it's just a one three filter, that just filters is, is not that good obviously it's not it yeah. at two mana it's not good if this were like uh, you know, uh, 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 some stats flyer for one mana that looted, This it would be an all-star. At two mana, it would be unplayable. But the plus one, plus one counters throughout the game means that as this thing goes unchecked, particularly against certain kinds of removal, it's just going to be like a 4-6, a 5-7 flyer, like deep in the game. Like, if this comes down early, this could theoretically check your opponent's burp tides. If you're yeah. like, if you're going really deep on it and they don't have a way to remove it. 
But granted, this gets hit by Pyroblast and whatnot. It's it's also each turn. So on your turn, you can cast your spells. Your opponent can cast your spells. But you can do that on their turn as well. It's not every turn cycle. It's every turn. So if you have if you get like a counter war on your opponent's turn, you can churn. You can connive the same way that you can on your own turn. And we're only talking about this so far in the context of like a very narrow subset of decks. This could, I mean, the same way that this fuels Delve, it also fuels Escape. You can play this second spell, dump an Uro on turn, and then on, on turn three, play this, play something else, dump an Uro on turn four, Escape Uro. This will have helped you get there. there. There's a lot of aspects where this card can come into play because graveyards, abusing the graveyard is where Legacy is at the moment in a lot for a lot of decks, both fair and unfair. And the fact that this is also lets you sidestep, this will help overload Pyroblast. So I find a lot of the times when I'm playing against Blue Red Delver, players don't board out when I'm playing Miracle Group, by the way. When I'm playing Miracles and I have Source of Plowshares and I'm boarding into Pyroblast and I have all this removed, this, this uh, one-for-one removal for Murktide, I find that a lot of players don't board out their Murktides because they're kind of priced into having to keep it for threat density. Yeah. The thing is, though, is that against a deck like mine that is looking to just pick off, to trade a bunch of resources and survive, for that type of deck, it's just a giant Tarmogoyf, right? Like, I don't want to get hit by it. But in my mind, it's just a Tarmogoyf. It's not netting any advantage. I'm, I'm like more scared of the cards that generate advantage, like a, a DRC filtering the draw, post-board Narsets, or like Court of Cunnings or something, right? Like the things that put you a brawl cards are the things that I care about. Against Blue Red Delver, in particular, it's like, okay, I can line up my Prismatic Endings against Delver or DRCs. I'm going to line up my Swords against uh, opposing Murktides, and then I'll, I'll use my uh, Power Blast for opposing Delvers and Murktides. This card entering the blueprint, if you will, is going to overload those cards. And I know that we have had uh, those types of conversations before where it's like you can either sidestep how your opponent's board or you can overload how they board. And this card, I think, is going to do really, really good work in overloading those things because it, it can become a, uh, another fat flyer. They're going to be priced into using the removal on it. And if you're playing against an opponent who's playing bolts and this gets out of bolt range, they're going to be priced into having to either uh, toss it with it. Yeah. They're going to have to either toss it with it in the air with their own stuff, which means that you may not be deploying things at the most opportune time. So it's, it's pressuring your opponent in one way. Or it's just going to overload their power blast, in which case that's awesome for you, right? Because now they aren't prepared because they're, they're, they don't have the density to deal with your threat base. Everything about this card on paper, it, more and more in the environment that we currently exist in, it just seems like it is it is primed for a breakout moment. And even more so, if there are any bans in the near future, this card is just going to be like first in line to make to make a big push. Yeah, and I think what the next big event is in July, right? Yeah, we've got something coming up in. Uh... Yeah, the SEG Con just happened. I know that uh, Legacy Pit is, uh, registration is going to be happening soon for Legacy Pit Two. Uh, but just in general, as more like paper events start picking back up. Uh, or like more high-end paper events, at least. This card, the more we talk about it, like this card's already just going to be a legacy mainstay. And I'm just curious as to how many different places it can actually show up in. Because I want to try it out in fair controllish decks. We've been talking about it in tempo decks. There's the possibility to use it in like value-style mid-range decks. Yeah. And then, of course, like who knows if this is like a sidestep for combo. You know, I mean, the, the, the pivoting I mean, to the creature plant plus board. And this is, a, this is another way that's just like, if there was a blue-black reanimator shell, I know that red-black has been the thing, but it's like, maybe there is a, a home the same way that, like, Doomsday had temp has Tempo Doomsday and plays a little bit more of a fair game in addition to having the combo kill. You could do something like that where you're like, yeah, I'm playing Bird Tribal that also can reanimate Grizzlebrand. Yeah, I mean, and this thing carries a Jute just as good as anything else, right? So, like, you can look at Stoneblade decks. This card does also kind of want to get to the late game. So, like, you're going to have the five mana to equip your Batter Skull onto this thing. You know, as as time goes by, 
So I think that one of the interesting things about this card is it, it like it lends itself well to every point in in the game. Like if you drop this on turn two, it's it's fine, right? But if you drop it on turn three through turn like six, it's gonna be it, you're you're gonna end up coming back with at least at, probably at least a, a four six on your side of the board. And then when you get into the late game with with a, like a four six on the board, it's just gonna get it's just gonna get bigger and bigger and bigger. And your opponent is going to not be able to deal with this even when they cast something like Murktide, right? Like if yeah. you have a creature that is a seven nine and your opponent has a Grizzlebrand on their side of the board, if the, if they manage to reanimate Grizzlebrand uh, through everything. Probably impossible because you've been looting through your deck. This is going to block and kill Grizzlebrand. I mean, the other thing that is really important to note about all the different sizing aspects that it could potentially reach in a game is that it only cost you two mana. The other things that you were doing, you were going to pay the mana and play those spells anyway. Like, the, the, the fact that this card just gets big without asking anything of you outside of potentially some sequencing is where, like, the power level is. There's no mana gate, right? All of this stuff is free. You're playing these spells anyway. You're playing Expressive Iteration to two-spell anyway. You're cantripping into cantripping to two-spell anyway. Removal spell plus cantrip to regardless of what was on the board otherwise. Like, this card just is netting uh, power for free on top of everything else that you want to be doing, which is where the power level really is, right? It's it's not asking anything of you. You are already doing this stuff. That's where the best cards come from. Like, look at, like, yeah. Curse Scroll. Curse Scroll is a perfect example of play magic, get rewarded, right? Like, that was one of the very first, like, you can just spit out cards like you would normally and get rewarded for playing this one-man artifact that does two damage to, to somebody when, once you run out of cards. And this is a very similar situation. It's just asking you to play Magic, and you're getting rewarded for it. The other thing that's really interesting about this card compared to a lot of other cards that care about casting spells that usually see play in these like Xerox-style uh, builds is this one doesn't care what kind of spell it is. So if you play this plus a second threat, you get to connive. Yeah, you know, it's like it doesn't. You most often the stuff spells, that cares, right? Yeah, right. Like between uh, uh, DRC and like Monastery Mentor or Young Pyromancer, like they care about the spells being non-creatures. Ledger Shredder don't give a shit. It's yeah. like you got all these creatures. Uh, load the board up. I'm gonna cannot. He's like Delver Secrets. I'll see you. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. Loot that. <laughs> yeah, I think between Ledger Shredder and the Hearse being the two cards that are actually yeah. going to make it Legacy out of Capenna, like the Hearse has already uh, shown up in Legacy decks, so clearly that card is is playable and is, is solid enough to continue seeing play. Ledger Shredder will eventually become, when we look back at Streets of New Capenna, as the card that the break like, uh, the, 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 actual, the actual like star of the show for New Capenna is Ledger Shredder, which you know I'm happy about because you know he wears a dapper suit, very Man, very clearly got good aesthetics here. And the, yeah, the extended art is really nice because the wings just cross the cross the frame. I think we've said our, our piece on Ledger Shredder. I mean, I'm I am for sure uh, going to be trying out a couple of different builds to explore what is possible with it. Uh, particularly when I play at my locals and stuff, I really want to explore the, the power level of being able to to do all these things. You want to know one of the things as I was thinking about like what decks could this bring back, and I'm thinking like, oh yeah, I remember loving like Dak Faden pitching Zombie Master and Squee. And just getting like that kind of value, right? Okay. Just yeah, like yeah. those cards back up. It's just like that. That stuff's too cute now. But it, it does make me think, like Zach. I know that you're a fan. I know that you've played it many, many a time, a long time ago. Okay. Are you Are you ready for the return of Blue Green Madness, my guy? Oh yeah, hell yeah, of course, man. I think we found. I, I think we found think, your, your your savior here. I think inside of that deck, also you've got cards like. Life from Alone, Dredges, like you're going to be able to feed your graveyard with stuff like that too. Like, I think there's a lot of potential for random draws a card and discards a card, especially when you're like, okay, well, like maybe I want to just feed my graveyard. There's got to be, there's got to be something there. I, I love Life from Alone in my, in my Rug Delver deck to just like really 
grip down on decks that are being greedy about their mana. A, a deck that is obviously not necessarily being greedy about its mana, but is being greedy about its non-basics is uh, the deck that just won the SEG event, you know? Uh, the, the the eight uh, It's not eight mulch, that's just, just the lands deck, right? Uh, oh, the, the the same deck that won... So the two SEG 5Ks was won by green-white decks. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, but there were lands decks. They were merit Lage decks, right? Yeah, they were merit Lage decks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being able to have, like, you know, uh, an infinite number of wastelands, you know, is, is good. And mm-hmm. Legend Shredder gets you to the cards you want. Uh, Life and Loam, you know, gets gets things going. I, I'm just saying it's adding a lot of selection uh, for that style of strategy. I don't think that Rug Delver is coming back just yet, but we'll give it time. One thing that Ledger Spreader could open up to that I want to explore is the possibility for uh, a mono blue deck, like a, a mono blue style tempo deck, or uh, a deck that doesn't need to be on red, the same way that Blue Red Delver is. The, the fact that between this Merc and Merctide, I feel like you have a pretty potent uh, threat base now just in blue, and there's the possibility that you could move into other colors. Blue black tempo competing with blue red is also something that's possible. Uh, you would need a reason to want to move into black, but th- I feel like this opens the door because now this is going to give threat density beyond the red creatures. For a long time, it was like DRC and Ragavan were the red creatures you were pricing into playing red. Whereas now the only real draws are, of course, DRC, Bolt, and Pyroblast. And then the other sideboard cards that you have in red are more or less interchangeable. Like, and the festivities minus dealing a damage. It's like, okay, there's a ton of options like that in black. Uh, so I wonder if there's other, other color pairings that you can pair with blue now that you have an additional threat here. So you could, even if you want to play Delver Stove, you could be on Delver, Ledger Shredder, and Murktide into yeah. another color and open up a lot of space there. So I'm curious to try mono blue. Is there a place for this in an eight cast build? Because all of the free bobbles being able to loot. I know that they, I know that they moved away from the Echo of Eons build for a while, but this is also another way that you can convert that card to the graveyard while still getting a, bu- a massive advantage. Yeah. And when you reload, that's just giving you more spells to make an even fatter flyer. Yeah. And I, I mean, right now it seems like they might be a little bit threat dense between, uh, Emery Psy and Kappa Cannoneer on top of Thought, Thought Monitor. But the fact that it doesn't care what kind of spell, so it can be artifacts, it can be yeah. creatures, whatever you want. It means that there, this can slot in potentially in a lot more spaces than immediately come to mind. I mean, it turns out Esper guy is good. It, it, is good all over the place, right? Yeah, the, the, he's part of the Obscura tribe. Particularly against a deck like um, Jeskai Days I'm doing with all the walkers, it's really tough if you're playing a non-one-mana threat in Legacy right now that doesn't pass the Teferi bounce test. This card is still good, even if they bounce it. Because if they bounce it and you redeploy it plus another spell, you're back to a 2-4 that looted you again. Even though it doesn't technically have an ETB ability, it kind of does if you can back it with a second spell because it will see itself when it comes down. So if you play this plus another spell, you'll always get to connive, so it'll be a 2-mana 2-4. So in that sequence, like let's say you have this, you've looted already or whatever, they play it to fairy. Unfortunately, it sticks and they bounce it. On your turn, you can replay this, play another spell, connive, and now it's a two four facing down their to fairy, which will uptick to be at two loyalty, which means that you will have even if you can't connive again, exactly what you need to take it down if they don't if they don't have the capacity to remove it when they untap. The fact that it will put them under that kind of pressure and it lines up against that threat, which is a potent threat in the format, it shows that like this is good against Delver and DRC because it can become a two four fast. It lines up really well against getting bounced by a Teferi if you can redeploy and set it up to kill that Teferi on the following turn. It potentially has the, the stats to get larger over the course of a game by the time a Merktide comes down, if you can pace it uh, well enough. It, it just seems to line up well against everything. If, if it can grow and get as big to toss it with a Merktide, if you can get this up to a 5-7, it can also stand in the way of an Uro. 
which I get that these are extraneous circumstances, like both players are turning through their decks at this point, and the likelihood that something's going to stay on the table is unlikely. But in those, like just thinking about how, how it lines up against everything in the format, it's positive. It lines up against everything really well. Mm-hmm. At least on paper, it lines up against everything really well. And in practice, it has proven its, itself. So another uh, interesting thing is the uh, the idea of like this being a combat trick. So like yeah, that doesn't come up often, but you're right. Yeah. So like your opponent has an active Dragon's Rage Chandler. This guy's a two four, and you have open mana. Because your your opponent has to attack in. They don't have a choice because Dragon Reach Channel must attack, right? Your Bang. opponent attacks and you're like, I'll brainstorm, I'll daze the brainstorm and pay and pay for the daze or whatever. Boom, you've pumped your guy and blocked the Dragon's Rage Channeler, killed it. It's, I mean, it's similar it's similar to D it's like when DRC's in combat, it's similar if you can get delirium at instant speed. Yeah. You pump your DRC. It's similar. It, it, very similar in that vein. Yeah, you can catch somebody. Uh but you this, can just this one's catch gonna people be with draft tricks, man. Draft yeah. draft tricks in Legacy are so underrated because it's a skill set that so many Legacy players do not cultivate at all. Like, no one's ready. That's why, it, in fact, this is such a uh, interesting deck to play because nobody's ready for uh, a random sequence of, of spells that, like, screw up the combat stack. No one's doing that anymore. You know, like, occasionally someone will blink a uh, a guy with their uh, Flicker Wisp or something like that, but, like, for the most part, nobody nobody's playing around combat tricks in Legacy. You're just you you know that instants in the hand are for drawing cards, maybe drawing more, uh, maybe uh, seeing different cards in your hand, maybe doing some direct damage and counter spells. But you generally don't see something like, oh, I'm going to pump my guy, you know, in mid combat. So it also if like your opponent really screws up, they try and counter your spell after they've already cast a spell, and whoops, you they've given you. Uh, a plus one plus one counter while while you're blocking your guy. There's just so much play there. I I really I really like the the idea that like you can just screw people with, as far as combat tricks. I think this card is going to make players realize how reliant on two spelling players are throughout a game. A, a lot of things just naturally two spell from expressive iteration to snapcaster mage to any of the planeswalkers that draw a card and then want to cast another spell like narset finding a card casting a spell to fairy bouncing something wanting to cast a spell there the are first just time a lot you're of just looking for you're like brainstorming for a force of will all of the artifact decks are based on essentially affinitying themselves out onto yep. the table and this comes down fairly early like there are so many decks that are just based on frequently at least two spelling once they get that once they're at the capacity to do so that this is going to trigger a lot more frequently than meets the eye and it will just be uh, another staple player like this is exactly the kind of spell uh, like creature entering legacy that's going to be healthy it's not doing anything absurdly busted right it's just like it's like a solid rate it's asking you to do things you already want to be doing it's the, the the power and toughness ratio is exactly where it needs to be in order for it to fill the, the roles that it needs to fill in the format. I think this is an absolute slam dunk. Uh, um, I'm excited to try it. I think, I mean, we've, we've said everything that can be said about Ledger Shredder. Uh, you should pick yours up immediately. And uh, Yes, please pick yours up before they spike anymore. And and while you're at it, you should probably go to MoxField.com and build a deck uh, based on Ledger Shredder and share it with us in the comments. Or just tell us, what you thought, uh, like, I mean, do you have a secret card from this set? Like, something, you know, like, I, I, I feel like this was a, this was a sleeper card that mm-hmm. we, we picked up on early, but there's gotta be, a, this, this deck, this deck, this set seems like it's a bit underpowered, but there's gotta be some sleeper 
in there. So I, I'd like to I'd like to hear from people about what they think uh, the the right card the, the right card is to pick up from this set. Uh, but before we go, I wanted to make sure that you guys know that uh, this podcast is sponsored by Moxville.com. It's a great deck building website. You can go to Moxville.com and uh, you can create an account for free. Never cost anything. Uh, it works on your PC. It works on your Mac. It works on your phone. You don't need an app. Uh, it's a great place to share commander decks. It's a great place to share share legacy decks. Moxfield.com. Check it out. And finally, I would also like to thank our Patreon supporters giving us great ideas lately for uh, content ideas. Thank you once again, everybody. You can join us at patreon.com slash turtles. And if you get a chance, if you think, hey, you know what? It's the work day. I'm not really doing a whole lot. Let's talk to Zach and Phil. We're on Discord. Get into our Discord. The link is Get below. in there. Get onto our Discord. BS with us. That's that's all. That's all I got for you today. Phil, take it away. Hello and welcome. My name is Phil Blackman. And with me as always. Is- all right. All right. Turn one exploration. Turn these fields. Crop rotation. Sifton meadows. Elves are playing and bajuka. Bog drain jogs away. Then we cast our way into the north. Dark depths abound. The legend scores of merit lage. In its slumber, Valor could awaken. Crash of thunder. The mountains crumble into rubble. Black don't split the ground asunder. Flames arise. Tectonic tumbler evolving. Wilds fill the bunkers. We venture to the tabernacle where reliquary. Nice to battle with riders from the avenue. Avalanches who destroy plants, farm trees, and ranches. The journey seeking the Mox Diamond, a piece so rare no one could find it. Kaleidoscope of ancient magic to fuel their whole world's demographic. The secret to its potent mana derives from the lands that have been abandoned. Where Obosh is near a companion, a demon, horror, nightmare, alien. Abruptly, the blood boon arises. Simeon spirits pray it guides them to the legendary eye of Ugin that harbors alien intruders. Hoax of blind eternities, warp worlds irreversibly. Except Caracas, the lone safe haven where legends unite to fight to save them. To the land of Thraden to break the vault where Hellas stayed in, releasing demons, plagues, and angels sworn to fend off a disdainful. But a demon's contract unfulfilled with a chain veiled mage who's been instilled with everlasting youth and power. Quakes the dead in a field of flowers where grass blows off, bright green aura that shimmers off the lotus cobras who slither in a forbidden orchard where the demon rests on holy torture. The grotto gathers oath of druids, nine hermits who are nature fluent to call forth a scape shift of magma and vanish the demon in a glacial chasm. But the heat that they just sealed the ground, not the age old ice that entrapped the Bound an avatar so diabolic, its reign of terror is catastrophic. Vespians have told the tale of an avatar glow with molded scales who blocks the sun and all its light, engulfing worlds in eternal night. Where prairies are turned into Vesuvas, the demon shape shifts into Garuda, a cracking horror so infernal. Some flowers bend to become nocturnal. Changelings rampage on the islands, the waves cascade down on the highlands. The dryad arbors drown in silence, but the willows still burn in defiance. The flames contain their evil minion, whose tentacles flash down from the deepness and bash away the punishing fire cast by the Trackers who will not tire. They fight to their death just like the Obzon. The rhino sees the mile of python who waked its way up on the shore where it scores then baked by a flash trip or which burst up from the sand below. From the lonely sandbar which split and throws a royal that spins a tornado that flings large sharks across its airflow. Rudas pulled into a whirlpool by for so strong dead eyes could twirl through the demon sealed down in the ocean as the forest morphs in slow motion. The Aven Maya's cradle gathers the vegetation left in tatters revitalizes all its essence with misty colors effervescent. Rain falls on the vast horizon with Vasa waves her magic by then to prisoning the demon giant within the ties forever silent uh what the fair what it do